Good morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another magical Monday, friends, for Torch Report 384, where there is no vision. This will be part one of a two-part series at least, but is it possible that our country has become so fractured we're fractured beyond repair. Like we can't, we can't, we're never going to be able to heal the wounds and the divisions in our country. Is that possible? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Let it sink in. Those are very powerful words. And, and, uh, you know, for on Friday, obviously, I'd sent out the uh, the the report and I little poem on the end of that, and then I sent out a follow up talking th- like those words just came to mind. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I've been thinking about that phrase, ruminating, actually, kind of like a cow uh, chewing on its cud. My mind has been obsessively turning the thought over and over, slowly letting it simmer somewhere in the back forty, in the back quadrant of my, of my mind, and the result is a little insight. However humble it may be, that seems to me to be applicable to our current circumstance. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I was breaking it down a little bit where, you know, the word where, you know, it implies a geographic location, like a city or a state or a nation or our our own communities, where the community, the city, the state, or the nation have no unifying vision, everything falls apart. There's nothing to keep them together. Now, no vision. What is this no vision? This word in Hebrew is chazon. Now, I'm not sure if I said that exactly right. Chazon, perhaps. Uh, it's, it's mostly used in relation to prophecy. But the literal translation of the word in Hebrew means mental sight, as in to contemplate and to perceive the possibilities of the future. And the word also connotes, I did put a link there into the translation if you want to get into it a little bit. Uh, it denotes a positive, pleasurable future state, something to look forward to, something worth fighting for. So where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no positive, pleasurable future to look forward to, the people perish. There's nothing pulling people together to work together for a future worth having than the people perish. And here, of course, the people refers to a tribe. And again, refers to a nation, a congregation, a community. It doesn't necessarily mean that that everybody, you know, in town's going to fall over dead, that all the all the individuals are going to die. What it means is that the tribe or the national identity is going to perish without a common vision. Now, I believe that the globalists understand that. Very, very well. Uh, there, there are you know the principles and principalities of darkness and all that. They understand what's going on. But if you think about our ongoing culture war, what does it mean to be an American today? What does it mean you know to be an American to you, to me, to different people? It means you know something vastly different than what it did 200 years ago, right? 200 years ago, what it meant to be an American was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm free. I, you know, this is a country founded of free individuals and and all of that. Well, now, you know, where we've come, you know, so far away from that, not only are, is it vastly different than 200 years ago, it, it's vastly different than just two generations ago. And the truth is, ultimately, there is no longer a national vision. There's no national identity. There's no strong projection of the American dream. And as a result of that, our nation is crumbling right before our eyes. 
obviously that's not by accident. While the global elites are in lockstep, you know, they're advancing their common agenda because they get it. You got to have a vision, right? They're advancing their common agenda. The American public is just getting jerked this way and that. Our focus and our attention and our efforts are being shattered by the battering ram of propaganda, uh, propagandized social issues. All this stuff is just getting shoved down our throat, the woke mind virus and all that crap. Now, while we're fighting against it, we're fighting against a perverted curriculum, we're fighting against pornography in children's books, we're fighting against men competing in women's sports, we're fighting against drag queens disturbing our children. And meanwhile, the globalists are steadily advancing on every front, essentially without notice. Most people are completely unaware. And now, you know, people care about all these issues and they're fighting, you know, they're their right to fight back against these issues, but ultimately fighting back against all of these woke issues, this, this energy is just being dumped into dealing with all these ridiculous shenanigans. And that's diverting our attention from more important issues, such as stolen elections and political corruption and utter lawlessness. Okay. So similarly, you know, while people do care about stolen elections, corruption and lawlessness, you know, some people care about the perversion of justice or actually the complete destruction of justice. Some people care about the weaponization of government agencies that are being used to target political opposition, which is essentially blatant tyranny. And of course, you know, people care about the political persecution of Donald Trump and of the J6 prisoners. But all of these folks who care about these things are essentially just pissing in the wind. They're shaking their fists at the sky. And are they really fighting back? Or are they just giving it lip service? Do they really want justice? Or are they just talking about it? Are they really making a stand? Or are they really just mad about it all? You know, but yet completely at a loss as to what to do about it. Yeah, it's wrong. Yeah, hell. You know, grab your torch and pitchfork. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? Okay. Do those who care about these issues really think they're going to be able to vote themselves out of this mess? Do you think that we're going to be able to vote ourselves out of this mess? Do I think that we're going to be able to vote ourselves out of this mess? Or is the idea that we're going to be able to vote ourselves out of this mess just wishful thinking? And really, we're holding on to that wishful thinking because beyond that, what the hell are we going to do about it, right? We don't know what to do because there's no vision there. I believe that we, the people, lack a vision. We, the people, I mean, we want our country back. We want life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the good old-fashioned American way. We want things to get back to normal. We want all of this silly insanity just stop. Just stop. I'm done. It's over. Come on. Put it away, you know? We want to restore the rule of law, the constitutional norms, the cultural traditions that have defined our national identity uh, to, for what it is in recent memory, Okay. In short, really what we want is we want it to be the way that it was, you know, the way it always was. It's no way. I mean, it wasn't always that way, but we want the, we want it to be kind of the way that it was here recently that we can remember. Does that make sense? I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was ours. It was our community. This is how we did it. This is how I'd, our community days didn't have, you know, LGBTQ parades with a bunch of people and, you know, this sick get ups, you know, dancing, dangling their dong in front of a bunch of kids. You know, that's not the way that we do things around here. And yet they're being forced down our throat, right? So we want to go back to the way it was, but very unfortunately, 
We cannot go back to the way it was. Never. We can't. That's not the way things work. Each day that passes is like water under a bridge, right? If, if you toss a rubber ducky in the river and watch it float down under the bridge, you understand that that little rubber ducky is never going to come back. I mean, you could sh- sh- jump in and try to catch that rubber ducky, but the rubber ducky is never going to come back and go under the bridge like that, okay? In the very same way. It's a silly analogy, but we're never going to be able to experience or revive a pre-pandemic America, just to put a kind of a timeline on that. The, the societal scars from the pandemic are permanent. The psychological conditioning that comes from the pandemic are permanent. And, you know, as are the various presumptions of authoritarianism that so quickly manifest during the pandemic. We cannot undo that experience. And it's really important because it's, it, you know, COVID-19, the Great Reset, the pandemic kicked off this Great Reset. and. Furthermore, (laughs) friends, we cannot comprehend life from a fixed point of view. And you've heard me say that if you've been with me for a while. But if we fail to grasp that all of this chaos is being globally orchestrated, that it's been methodically planned out for decades, if we fail to realize that the Great Reset is upon us, then we are essentially just sitting ducks. We're helpless to swim against the overwhelming tide of fabricated global consent. Put differently, uh, it, we're, we're destined to succumb to the seductive lies. There's no way out because our local leaders are going to be uh, increasingly conditioned and prone to defer to global digital governance. That's where we're going, right? And so to be a good human, our local leaders are going to have to you know, do what all the good humans are being conditioned to do. But beneath all of that, you know, virtue signaling and such, just follow the money. Right. If you want state funding, you got to fall in line with the state mandates. If you want federal funding, you got to fall in line with federal mandates. If you want to participate in international commerce, then you got to fall in line with international mandates. So from the top down, international treaties drive federal regulations. Federal regulations then drive local level policies on everything from the radical environmental agenda to sustainable development and public health and safety. And all of this together leads to complete control over our lives. And as a result, (laughs) you know, as a result, rather than having a representative form of government that respects the will of we the people or respects the will of local constituents and reflects the cultural preferences of our vastly diverse communities. I don't think that, you know, everybody in Louisiana should be living every way, uh, the same exact way everybody in Alaska is. Does that make sense? It's, it's totally different. Wherever you live, whatever you do, that's, that's, you know, honor the traditions of your local community and culture. I think that's very important. Uh, the virtuous path, I like to say, just as a side note, not in the report today, but the virtuous path is honesty, humility, and honor. We have to be honest with ourselves and one another. Uh, that's the foundation for mutual respect. You know, humility, you know, that's, again, you know, mutual respect, but having that humility, I don't know everything. And then honor, I honor you, your path. What, you know, that's, it's maybe different than mine. I may not understand it, but I, 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 I respect your right to do things your way for the most part, unless you're starting to hurt somebody, in which case I could pound the piss out of you for being a schmuck. Now, uh, back on track, back on track. The, uh, The thing is here, when we don't have representative government that respects the will of the local we the people, local constituents, and doesn't reflect our local uh, preferences, 
what we have then is centralized government. And it's a centralized government that is forcefully imposing the will of unelected global bureaucrats who believe that they alone know what's best for every person on the planet. And beyond that, these you know great global bureaucrats, the secret global cabal, these so-called enlightened leaders, to quote Klaus Schwab, Schwabi Schwab, from his book COVID-19, The Great Reset, he talks about the enlightened leaders. These enlightened leaders who are really elitist sociopaths, they believe that they just don't need the majority of the human population. They believe they don't need the majority of the human population. Hence their plans to proportion the population and ensure that we all eat bugs, own nothing, and be happy. What could be more un-American than that? But this is the vision. You know, this is the vision that there's, you know, you know, this is their vision, friends. And we discussed this at length. So let's pivot back to our vision, right? I have a dream. Those words, I have a dream. The four timeless words, they're, you know, easily mental association. Oh, yeah, Martin Luther King, man, I have a dream. It was a historic speech and it kicked off, you know, the the civil rights and all that kind of stuff. Okay, but those words are very seldom put into context. And I want to read to you. A short uh, quote from Martin Luther King Jr., August 28th, 1963. He says, quote, I say to you today, my friends, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers, period, end quote. Now, I have a dream. That people will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. What a profound statement, you know, being that currently our country seems to be rapidly backsliding into judging people by the color of their skin instead of judging people based on the content of their character. The exact opposite of what MLK was talking about. I'm sure the guys he's just rolling in his grave when he hears the Democrats. Democrats want to remove white people from office. To to because they're white. <laughs> okay. That's the exact opposite of judging somebody based on the content of their character. That's judging somebody based on the content of their skin. Friends, it's supreme absurdity. And yet it, it it it's out there. It stands in direct opposition to everything that Martin Luther King stood for or America stood for. But that's just one example. Everything that's happening right now stands in direct opposition to any kind of sense, logic, rational thinking, cultural tradition, or what it means to be an American. Now, Martin Luther's vision was inspiring, obviously. I mean, it fanned the flames of civil rights and it led to tremendous cultural change. I mean, that's why we still hear it. That's why we got Martin Luther King Boulevard and all that kind of stuff. But at, at that point in history, we can look back now and realize, well, there was really no going back. There was no going back to the segregated ways of the past. Now, it, in a very similar way, there's no going back now to the way things were before the Great Reset began. We just can't. The genie is out of the bottle. The idea that the state has unlimited control over our lives in order to keep people safe, of course, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to reverse that idea. The idea 
that we must sacrifice our personal sovereignty, our local sovereignty, state and national sovereignty for the sake of saving the planet. That's not going to go away anytime soon. In fact, if you really think about it, be honest, you know, these culturally conditioned forms of psychosis, these perspectives, which are forms of psychosis, it's psychotic, it's inflammation of the mind. The etymology of psychosis is that, the, you know, the mind is inflamed. They can't tell the difference between what they think and what they're for longer than people realized, I think. And ultimately, all of this said, this is precisely why I believe it is absolutely imperative that we have a vision to counter their vision with. Does that make sense? The global cabal has their vision for the future. They call it future Earth. So what's our vision for the future? They are using social listening, sentinel surveillance, algorithmic social interventions, and deep state censorship to groom and manipulate the masses. That's why they're gaining steam. That's also why they're so bold. They're convincing the masses that centralized government control is the only solution to every problem. Because, I mean, how else can you keep people safe and ensure diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and advanced democracy and the greater good, right? And people are buying into this vision in droves. It's the cool thing. All the cool kids are doing it. Hey, let's save the planet. You know, let's just give up all of our natural-born rights for the sake of state tyranny because they'll keep us safe. You know, holy smokes, it's indoctrination, it's social conditioning, it's brainwashing, but it's working. That's the point. They have their vision for the future, and they have shattered our vision for the future, right? What does it mean to be an American? Totally different visions. There's no unifying vision. Now, think about this upcoming presidential election does Donald Trump represent the future of America? I know some of you will say yes, and some of you will say no. Does Ron DeSantis represent the future of America? Again, some will say yes, some will say no. How about Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? How about Joe effing Biden? You know, how about George Soros's political son, who was just freshly appointed, Alex Soros? Do any of these people or any of the other candidates who are running for the 2024 presidential election actually represent the future of America? honest question. Or could it be that these are just useful stooges that the entrenched political establishment and their despicable media lapdogs want us to be bickering about? Hmm. United we stand, divided we fall. Now, please note, friends, that any of these players who are getting national attention they're only getting national attention because somebody wants them to get national attention. It doesn't just happen. And also, please note that any of these people, if they were to win, they would immediately represent at best only half of the country. Our country would remain bitterly divided. Would it not? Any of these candidates, right? Therefore, you know, if, if they're only representing half and we remain bitterly divided, then they're going to be perpetuating the two-party system of gridlock and mutual exploitation of the American people. Friends, do you think that any of this is just a big, fat coincidence? I do not. Who do you think benefits from this status quo arrangement? Who, who benefits here? You know, it's certainly not we, the people. So that's their vision. And the question is, what is our vision? Because where there is no vision, the people 
perish. Therefore, there must be a vision. <laughs> Resist, we must. How about that for a vision, friends? Uh, I'm going to have to continue this uh, conversation into tomorrow so as not to go too long today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time. Click the email. Go to the website. Click the heart. Give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this with somebody, somebody that might be thinking along these lines or somebody that, that needs to be thinking along these lines. Share it with someone. Share it with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this magical Monday, friends, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.